So we'll just take today, inshallah, Shaykh Fawzan, Hafizahullah's introduction, and then next week start on the main text of the book, inshallah. So we begin with what occurs on page 39 of this Saudi edition. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. With the name of Allah, the extremely merciful, the bestower of mercy. And they bring the heading for this section. Muqaddimatul Mu'alliq al-Kitab Fadilati Shaykh Salih al-Fawzan. The introduction of the one who has done the notes, the explanation to the book, the noble Shaykh Salih al-Fawzan. And this was a book, as we briefly indicated before, that Shaykh al-Fawzan, as usual, he explained the book in lessons in the masjid. And he began this in the masjid in Riyadh, Jami al-Amir, Mut'ib ibn Abdul Aziz. And the lessons began on the 17th of Al-Qa'dah, 1426, which was three and a half years ago. Rahmatullah. And then these lessons were transcribed and amended and the Shaykh gave permission for it to be printed. So that ended up in the book that we have in front of us, in front of us, alhamdulillah. So the Shaykh said, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen wa sallallahu wa sallama ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'een. All praise is for Allah, the Lord of the whole of creation. And may Allah extol make mention of and praise and may he send peace and security upon our Prophet Muhammad and upon his true followers and all of his companions. Sheikh said, this book was authored by Al-Barbahari and his name was Al-Hasan Ibn Ali Ibn Khalaf. Al-Hasan, the son of Ali, the son of Khalaf, Al-Barbahari. Then Shaykh Fawzan explains this word Al-Barbahari, his title. He said, an ascription to Barbahar, which was a type of medicines, which perhaps he used to work with, or he used to sell them, and then he became ascribed to them. And he was one of the major Hanbali scholars. He took knowledge from those who took from Imam Ahmad. He took directly from the students of Imam Ahmad, such as Al-Marruvi and other than him. And they mention, and we will mention for the benefit, inshallah, in the footnote here, they mention a small biography of this major student of Imam Ahmad, who we mentioned briefly last week, Al-Marruvi. So they mention in the footnote here that he was Ahmad ibn Muhammad ibn al-Hajjaj ibn Abdul Aziz, the one well known as Abu Bakr al-Marruvi. Ibn Abi Ya'la said, Ibn Abi Ya'la is the author of the book of biography famous biography of the Hanbali scholars, Tabaqat al-Hanabila, the levels of the Hanbali scholars, meaning the students of Imam Ahmad, and then the next generation, and the next generation, all up to the, to the time of the author. So he said, Ibn Abi, Iz, or Ibn Abi Ya'la said concerning him, Abu Bakr al-Marruvi, he said, his mother was Maruviya, a woman from Maru, and his father was from Khawarism, a different, a different area. And he was the one who had precedence amongst the students of Imam Ahmad because of his wara, his piety, and his and our Imam, meaning Imam Ahmad, used to enjoy his company and used to be at ease with him. And he was the one who closed the eyes of the Imam, Imam Ahmad, when he died. 
Imam Ahmad died, then it was Al-Marruzi, Abu Bakr Al-Marruzi, who closed the eyes of the Imam. And he washed his body. And he reported many masail, many matters of knowledge from him. He died in the year 275. And you can find, as they mentioned, his biography in Tabaqat Al-Hanabila, Volume 1, page 56, and the book of Imam Al-Dhahabi, Seer, Alam al Bula, Volume 13, page 173. So back to the main explanation of Sheikh Al-Fawzan, he said that he took, referring to Imam al-Barbahari, he took from those who took from Imam Ahmad, such as al-Marruzi and others. And he acquired, he acquired a vast amount of ilm, of knowledge, tabahara. He acquired a bahari, he acquired a huge amount of knowledge. He took aqeedah, creed and belief, and he took fiqh, and he took knowledge from the major imams. And the name of the book is Sharh al-Sunnah, Sharh al-Sunnah, book of Imam, Imam, Imam al-Barbahari, Sharh al-Sunnah, literally an explanation of the Sunnah. Sheikh Fawzan said, what is meant by a sunnah, the sunnah here, is tariqatul rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. What's meant by the word as sunnah in the title of the book, explanation of the sunnah, is the way of the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It does not mean the technical usage applied by the scholars of hadith. that it is whatever is established from the Prophet ﷺ with regard to sayings or actions or tacit approvals. In this usage, that's not, that's not what is meant here. The usage of the muhaddithin, people of hadith, scholars of hadith, they describe the sunnah as being whatever is, is established from the Prophet ﷺ, whether it be a saying or an action or a tacit approval. Sheikh Fawzan is saying what's meant by the word as-sunnah here in the title of the book, Sharh al-Sunnah, is not that terminology. Rather, it's more general than that. He said, rather, its meaning is that which is wider and more general. And it is tariqatul rasul, the way of the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and the way of his companions, and the way of as-salaf al-salih the way of the pious predecessors. This is the sunnah as sunnatul ma'thura. This is the sunnah as found in the narrations. Whether it be in the matter of i'tiqad, creed and belief, or in the matter of ibadah, worship, or in the matter of fiqh, or in al-adab, the, the matter of manners and behavior, akhlaq all of this is called as sunnah in the general sense so he of course referring to Imam al-Barbahari he sometimes mentions matters of fiqh in this book of aqidah this book which is basically a book of creed and belief he sometimes mentions matters of fiqh such as wiping upon the socks al-mash al-khuffain and the matter of nikah al-mut'ah, the matter of mut'ah marriages. He mentions these, even though it's a book of creed and belief, but he mentions these which are matters of fiqh. The Shaykh said, in order to rebut, to do rad, to rebut the deviated sects who disagree concerning these matters. Obviously, like of the Shia and so on, the Khawarij and so on, who disagreed even about these matters of fiqh. So he refutes them in the matters of creed and belief, and he also refutes them in some matters of fiqh as well, where the people of Sunnah have agreement, and he'll refute the people of innovation on those matters, such as the Sheikh said, wiping upon the socks, and the matter of mut'ah. Then he said, and he sometimes repeats matters for emphasis or for a reason 
for the thing to be mentioned again or in order to add further clarification or for other than that from the knowledge-based objectives so in summary it is Kitabun Mufid it is a useful book but containing a benefit and its importance lies in its being an early book so it is one of the books of the earlier Salaf those who lived in the time of the major Imams and took from them and who reported their pure Aqeedah creed and belief so may Allah have mercy upon him the great Imam Ameen and the meaning so the Shaykh will explain the word in the book Sharh Sunnah an explanation of the Sunnah so now he explains the other word Sharh and the meaning of Sharh is Bayan an explanation it does not mean that he clarifies the meaning of a particular book or he is explaining a particular book in Al-Barbahari he wasn't taking an earlier book and explain the meaning of each phrase he wasn't doing that it's a separate book written by the Imam so the Shaykh said it doesn't mean he was clarifying the meaning of a book a particular book or explaining a particular book rather it means that he was clarifying the way of the Sunnah this is the meaning of Sharh Sunnah, an explanation of the Sunnah. In other words, he wasn't explaining an earlier book called As Sunnah, the Sunnah. And this is his explanation of that book. No. He's explaining the way of the Sunnah. Then Shaykh Fawzan, he moves on to a point with regard to the earlier scholars and the naming that they would give to the books of Aqeedah, the different names they would apply to books of Aqeedah, Creed and Belief. He said, the earlier scholars used to call the books of Aqeedah as Sunnah, such as this book, Sharh Sunnah, and such as the book As Sunnah of Imam Ahmad, and the book As Sunnah of his son Abdullah, and As Sunnah of Al Athram, and Sharh Hasul Itikad Ahl Sunnah Wal Jama'ah of Al Lalikai. I mean, all of these being books of creed and belief, aqeedah. And they were called, each one of them was called as sunnah, or a derivative of the name as sunnah. But the topic was aqeedah, creed and belief. He said, likewise, they would call them al iman, these books of aqeedah, books of creed and belief. Some of the scholars would entitle them al iman. So, some of them would place within books a book called Kitabul Iman, the book of Iman, the book of true faith. Just as is present in the book of the Sahih al-Bukhari and Muslim, meaning within Sahih al-Bukhari and within Sahih Muslim, there is a chapter, Kitabul Iman, the book of Iman. So they would put a book and call it the book of Iman. And within it, they would bring whatever whatever was particular to aqeedah, creed and belief. With regard to iman, true faith in Allah, and his angels, and his books, and his messengers, and the last day, and al-qadr, pre-decree, the good of it, and the bad of it. And they would call that al-iman. Likewise, they would call it al-shari'a. In some of the scholars of the early times, they would write a book of, they would compile a book of Aqeedah and call it a Sharia, such as the book a Sharia of Imam Al Ajuri a Shafi'i, and they would sometimes call it a Tawheed, such as the book a Tawheed of Ibn Khuzaima and the well-known books of Tawheed, And they would also be called Al Aqeedah. They'd write some books with the actual title Al-Aqeedah and Al-Aqeedah is ما يعتقده القلب ويدين به ويجزم به 
They would write these books of creed and belief and call them actually sometimes Al-Aqeedah Al-Aqeedah of such and such He said and the word Aqeedah it means that which is held as, as belief by the heart and that which it holds as religion and that which the person has certainty upon That's the meaning of Aqeedah Then the Sheikh makes an important point so he mentioned all the different names that used to be given by the, the Salaf and the early scholars to books they compiled about creed and belief. As-Sunnah, Al-Iman, Al-Shari'ah, Al-Tawheed, Al-Aqeedah. All referring to matter one and the same thing, creed and belief. The Shaykh said, and all of these names, there is no ikhtilaf. Different words were used for the titles here. Doesn't mean there's any disagreement between these books, this one and that one. This one's opposite to that. And, no. The Sheikh said there's no disagreement between them. For they are multiple names for one and the same thing. So these are different words used for the same meaning. And there is to be no arguing about the names if the meaning is known. So this is not a case of ikhtilaf differing rather it is just a case of using different terms and each terminology has a correct aspect of meaning so there's no disagreement between them in that regard even though the words differ the meaning is one and all of them are referring to one the same thing the correct belief Then he makes a point, because this is a point where some people are innovation and deviation and hezbiyah, enemies of the correct way, they try and use this. They look at this, bo this book here, this name and this book here, they use this. And the Sheikh refutes them here. He says, as for those people who criticize this and say, aqeedah and tawheed, this is a terminology which has no proof. I mean, you people talk about aqeedah, you talk about tawheed all the time. Where's, this, where's the word aqeedah found in the Qur'an, in the Sunnah? Where's the word tawheed found in the Qur'an, in the Sunnah? You're always talking about it. Where is it? Sheikh has mentioned this, they try and bring this. There's no proof for this, they say. It is not found in the Qur'an, not in the Sunnah. That's what they say. Sheikh Fawzan said, so this is tashkik. This is trying just just trying to provoke doubts. I mean, they're not trying to correct some, this is wrong, and the, what's correct is it. They're not trying to do that. They're just making an argument to cause you doubts, false doubts, that's all. What they intend by it, what they want by doing that, is to uproot and remove this aqeedah. I mean, what you find in all these books, called As-Sunnah, Al-Iman, Al-Aqeedah, Sharia, Al-Tawheed, they don't like it. They want to get rid of it. How can they do that? through a backdoor way. They said these names here, Aqeed and Tawheed, where are they in the Quran, where are they in the Sunnah? There's no proof for these things. You can drop it, drop the importance to it. What they want is to get rid of this Aqeedah. That's what they're intending. Sheikh said, what they want is to uproot and remove this Aqeedah. So therefore they came with this speech in order that no distinction will be made between the deviant sects and the upright group. This is what angers them. And what angers them is what is found in these books. And when it's implemented, what they what they see in front of their eyes, the Salafis, distinguishing between truth and falsehood. That's what angers them. That's what they don't want. And so that the people of falsehood will no longer be refuted. That's what they want. And so that the people of falsehood will no longer be refuted. This is the intent of those of them who have some learning. And as for the rabble and the riffraff, I mean ignorant followers, those who just take up from the rubbish tip of ideas, then they just repeat these sayings that they've heard. As is found in some of the newspapers and some of what they call publications. So it is not permissible to turn any attention to the like of these doubts that are raised and to these matters. 
and don't, don't don't trouble yourself with the like of that. Where where is it? I have to start searching now. Where in the Quran does it mention the word aqidah? These books of the Salafia they use the word you know aqidah or tawhid. I've got to try and where's the evidence for that? I've got what's the answer to these people? The Sheikh's made it clear what these people are trying to do. They're just causing you trouble, causing you problems. There's no need to even, as the Sheikh said, it's not not permissible even to turn attention to the like of this. The Sheikh said. So this, I mean, this correct belief that the scholars have written from earlier times upon with these books, this is something which the Ummah has proceeded upon and given attention to in order to distinguish between the truth and falsehood. I mean, they spent years of their lives learning and, le and writing down the correct aqidah and teaching it and passing it on generation after generation for that purpose so that the truth will continue to be distinguished from the falsehood and these people come along with these, like, these futile arguments to try and wipe that away so that falsehood becomes mixed up with the truth people of truth, people of falsehood all mixed together you can't tell the difference that's what they want so the Sheikh said so this is something which the Ummah has proceeded upon and do in order to distinguish between the truth and falsehood and between guidance and misguidance. However, those people have their own purpose in doing this. They want to merge all of the people together and that there would not be anything to differentiate between an atheist and an evil heretic and a person who is upright or, an, or one who is an innovator, Mubtadi'ah. Rather, they want all the people to remain beneath the umbrella of the name of Islam. I mean, as they say, we're all, we're all Muslims, let's leave all these differences, we're all Muslims, underneath this big umbrella of Islam, all these deviant, all these deviant sects and everything, we're all, we're all Muslims. We're all beneath this um, Islam. So that the Muslims, and here's the argument that they try and use, so that the Muslims will remain united. They, we've got to leave aside any talk about Aqidah, leave aside the books of the Salaf about Aqidah have been written for centuries, leave them aside, leave, leave aside speaking against the people of innovation, heresy, leave it, stop it, in the name of unity of the Muslims, they claim. Sheikh Fawzan said, so we say to them, the Muslims will not be united except upon correct Aqidah, correct creed and belief. It won't happen. Aqidah is what united the companions when they had been divided. And previously, before Islam, they were divided at war with each other. Aqidah, the Sheikh said, that is what united them. Just as he, the Most High, said, The ayah 103 of Surah Al-Imran, the third surah, with the explanation, and remember the favor of Allah upon you, that previously you were enemies, and he joined your hearts together. And just as a side point here, and there's something interesting which Imam Tabari mentions in his famous tafsir of the Quran in tafsir of this ayah he mentions with a, a good chain of narration from Qatada from the Tabi'een just so that we understand something of the, of the condition that the scholars if you read in the books of tafsir and books of history they mention with regard to the Ansar of Medina for example the Muslims of Medina that they were formed into the two great tribes Al-Aws and Al-Khazraj and they were at war with each other for centuries they had huge wars which kept reappearing over the slightest thing. They'd have a, a, a feud over a, certain, a small thing and it would carry on for tens of years, for centuries even, the slightest thing. And they, were ab they had, as the scholars say, absolute hatred for each other. That was before Islam. Absolute hatred for each, for, for, for each other. And they actually fought and were at war with each other. And likewise, Tabari, he mentions that regarding the explanation of this ayah. Oh, we'll mention it after a while. The Sheikh comes back to it. We'll mention it then, inshallah. So the Sheikh said, وَذْكُرُوا نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ عَلَيْكُمْ إِذْ كُنْتُمْ أَعْدَاءً فَأَلَّفَ بَيْنَ قُلُوبِكُمْ With explanation, and remember the favor of Allah upon you when you were enemies and He joined your hearts. Allah joined your hearts. The Sheikh said, What is it 
that united the companions after this furqa, after this separation and after this tanahur, this fighting each other, being each other's throats what united them except this aqidah this creed and belief which is the meaning of la ilaha illallah Muhammadun Rasulullah none has the right to be worshipped except Allah Muhammad is the messenger of Allah so nothing will unite the people except for the correct aqidah correct belief but if the people differ and disagree in their aqidah their, their belief then they will never unite contrary to what these people say oh, we, we leave aside differences even in aqidah and we just unite the Sheikh said if the people are differing in their aqidah their creed and belief they will never ever be able to unite ever as for then the Sheikh moves on as for differing in matters of fiqh involving ijtihad matters that can be understood from an evidence one way or another then this will not affect in, in the ummah we have difference in, in fit based upon ijtihad this will not affect the matter and it will not necessarily produce separation nor enmity because this is ijtihad which can be permitted however differing in aqidah creed and belief is not permitted and those who differ concerning it creed and belief will never unite ever those who differ in aqidah will never unite no matter what attempts there are to bring it about because this person intends to gather intends to unite those things which are opposite to each other and it will not be possible to unite opposites and things which contradict each other Sheikh said so if those people actually desire I mean if it's not just a, a saying upon their tongues I mean ignore aqidah because we want unity if they're not actually saying that knowingly trying to just get rid of the correct aqidah with no other intention except that evil intention if they actually do intend unity and they're going the wrong way about it the sheikh said if they do actually desire the unity of the Muslims then what is upon them first of all the aqidah which the messengers from the first of them to the last of them used to give importance to and which they used to begin with it is upon them to unify this first so if they unify the aqidah meaning they unify all the people upon the correct aqidah get the people to come upon all upon the correct aqidah then the ummah will be united this is if they are actually serious and sincere in their call however they mock though they mock the person who speaks about aqidah in an indication these people are not actually even sincere they're not really thinking about Muslim unity at all it's just a word they use an excuse and a reason a proof that they're actually very often not sincere the sheikh said is that they mock the person who speaks about aqidah and who calls to the correct aqidah and they say this person declares the people to be, to be kafirs he wants to just split you the people who call to Tawheed of you just go around doing takfir of people declaring Muslims to be kafirs he just wants to split up the Muslims he wants such and such he actually wants such and such to the end of what they say the Sheikh said so we say to them you will never be able to gather the Muslims upon something other than the correct aqidah for if the aqidah the creed and belief were united then the people would unite easily all the people here there wherever were united they all came to one correct belief they would very easily unite then the Shaykh quotes the ayahs as a proof Surah Al-Anfal, the 8th Surah, Ayah 62-63 With the explanation, Allah is the one who strengthened you with his aid and through the believers and he united their hearts 
if you had spent all that is upon the earth, you could not have united their hearts. However, Allah united them. He is the Almighty, the All-Wise. Then the Shaykh quotes the second ayah as an evidence. وَاذْكُرُوا نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ عَلَيْكُمْ إِذْ كُنْتُمْ أَعْدَاءً فَأَلَّفَ بَيْنِ قُلُوبِكُمْ فَأَصْبَحْتُمْ بِنِعْمَتِهِ إِخْوَانًا وَكُنْتُمْ عَلَى شَفَاءَ حُفْرَةٍ مِنَ النَّارِ فَأَنْقَذَكُمْ مِنْهَا كَذَلِكِ يُبَيِّنُ اللَّهُ لَكُمْ آيَاتِهِ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَحْتَدُونَ Surah Al-Imran, same ayah that came earlier with the longer wording here. Third Surah, Ayah 103, with the explanation. And remember Allah's favor upon you that you were previously enemies and he united your hearts so that you became by his favor brothers and previously you were on the edge of the pit of the fire about to fall into it on account of your disbelief and he saved you from it likewise Allah makes clear his signs to you that you may be guided with regard to the side point, then the tafsir, as we mentioned from Tafsir al-Tabari, with his good chain of narration from Qatada, from the Tabi'een, Qatada ibn Di'ama, famous Tabi'i, who's famous for giving tafsir, he said, with regard to the situation of the Ansar, the Aus and the Khazraj, the situation before Islam and then after Islam, that he said, this group of the Arabs used to be the most downtrodden of the people and the ones who are most wretched in life, those who are most clearly upon misguidance, and the most naked, ones having the least amount of clothing, and the ones who are the most hungry. They were as if they were biting upon a rock out of hunger, whilst lying in between two lions, the lions of Persia and the lions and the lion of Byzantine, Byzantine Roman Empire. Two huge empires at the side waited to eat them up. No, by Allah, they had nothing in their lands at that time for which they could be envied. Whoever amongst them lived, lived in a state of wretchedness and whoever died was thrown down into the hellfire. They would be devoured by others but did not, not themselves have anything to eat. By Allah, we do not know of any tribe of people upon the earth who at that time had a smaller portion nor who were less in status than them until Allah the mighty and majestic brought Islam and through it he gave you the book as an inheritance and he made lawful for you the land of jihad and through it he gave you provision and by means of it he made you kings over the necks of the rest of the people and through Islam Allah gave you that which you can see so give thanks for his favors for indeed your Lord is one who bestows favors and he loves those who give thanks and those who give thanks receive increase from Allah so supreme and exalted is our Lord end of the quote from Al-Qatad with regard to the situation before in the time of Jahiliyyah and how Allah changed that, that condition drastically then with regard to the explanation of Shaykh al-Fawzan the main text he said Having quoted the ayah from Surah, so nothing will ever unite the people except for the correct aqidah. That which the messengers from the first of them to the last of them, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa came with. وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَا مِنْ قَبْلِكَ مِنْ رَسُولٍ إِلَّا نُوحِي إِلَيْهِ أَنَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا أَنَا فَعْبُدُونَ At the 21st Surah, ayah 25, with the explanation, and we did not send any messenger before you except that we revealed to him that none has the right to be worshipped except me, except Allah so worship me alone and Shaykh Fazan quotes the ayah وَإِنَّ هَذِهِ أُمَّتُكُمْ أُمَّةً وَاحِدَةً وَأَنَا رَبُّكُمْ فَاتَّقُونَ Surah Al-Mu'minun, the 23rd Surah, ayah 52 with the explanation and this religion of yours is a single religion and I am your Lord, so fear and be dutiful to me. Sheikh said, and in the other ayah, there occurs, 
inna hadhihi ummatukum ummatan wahidatan wa ana rabbukum fa'budun surah al-anbiya the 23rd surah ayah 92 with the explanation this religion of yours is a single religion and i am your lord therefore worship me alone shaykh bazan said explaining they will not come together they will not be united except upon the worship of the single lord and he is allah the perfect and most high because he is the true lord and others beside him are false and futile ذلك بان الله هو الحق وانما يدعون من دونه هو الباطل وان الله هو العلي الكبير Surah Al-Hajj, the 22nd Surah, Ayah 62. With the explanation that is because He, Allah, is the one who is truly worshipped. And whatever is called upon besides Him is falsehood. And Allah, He is the Most High, the Most Great. Shaykh Bawazan said, So this is the arena, this is the field or scope for uniting the Muslims if they are true and sincere let, so let them correct the Aqeedah I mean, that's where unity is going to come about if the Aqeedah is corrected so if these people are sincere let's see them working in that field the correction of Aqeedah and expelling deviation and introduced impurities from it so that it can be as it was when Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam came with it so that the Muslims can unite upon it. This is what the Salaf, such as Al-Barbahari and others, intended when they authored these work and these books to explain the correct Aqeedah. I mean to clarify it to the people so that the people, the Muslims, could unite upon it. The Sheikh said, when fitan, trials and tribulations, and if if tiraqat, splits occurred and misguidance they wrote these books of aqidah explaining the sunnah with them that which Allah's messenger sallallahu alayhi wa was upon and his companions and generations that which is such the sunnah that which is such that whoever adheres to it will be saved and whoever deviates from it will be destroyed. That concerning which Allah's Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Taraktukum alal bayda layluha kanahariha. There's a kasra crept into layluha there for some reason. Taraktukum alal bayda layluha kanahariha. I have left you upon a clear white way. Its night is just the same as its day. In a footnote they mention this hadith is reported by Imam Ahmad and Ibn Majah and Ibn Abi Asim and they mention a number of others. They mention Abu Nu'aym and Al-Hakim and others from a hadith of Ibn Sariya radiallahu an. Abu Nu'aym said this hadith is a good hadith from the authentic narrations of the people of Sham. And Al-Hakim said this hadith is authentic. And Al-Mundiri said in his Book Al Targhib wa is chain of narration is Hassan. And likewise, Shaykh Al Albani, Rahmanullah, declared this hadith to be Sahih, authentic. Taraktukum al Bayda, Layruha Kanahariha. I have left you upon a clear white way. Its night is just the same as its day. Night time, just the same, just as clear as daytime. Shaykh Fawzan said, Allah, the Majestic and Most High, said, اليوم يأس الذين كفروا من دينكم فلا تخشوهم وخشون اليوم أكملت لكم دينكم وأتممت عليكم نعمتي ورضيت لكم الإسلام دينا سورة المائدة the fifth surah ayah three with the explanation this day have those who disbelieve given up all hope of your religion so do not fear them but rather fear me this day have I perfected you your religion and completed my favor upon you and I'm pleased with Islam as your religion 
Shaykh Fawzan said, this is the point which is the necessary condition for unity and for uniting to occur. But as for it being said, نَجْتَمِئُوا عَلَى مَا اتَّفَقْنَا عَلَيْهِ وَيَعْذُرُوا بَعْضُنَا بَعْضًا فِي مَا اخْتَلَفْنَا فِيهِ So as for, obviously he's quoting here, a famous saying of the Ikhwan, Ikhwal Muflisin, saying of Hassan al-Banna, their founder, or his followers. As for it being said, that we will gather together upon what we agree about. And as for what we disagree about, then we'll just pardon each other. This is the saying of the Ikhwan, this is not the saying of the Salaf. Salafiyun, this is saying of the Ikhwan, the scene. That we'll gather together upon whatever we can agree upon, and whatever we disagree about, then we'll just leave it, you know, we'll pardon each other about that. The Sheikh said, this is something impossible if it refers to differing in Aqeedah. Obviously they, they use it unrestrictedly, Aqeedah, everything, they leave, leave aside all differences, matter. Sheikh said, if, the, if that is used on Aqeedah, it's impossible to do this, to unite and to just pardon each other about differences in Aqeedah. Then he said, however, if it is differing in the matter of fiqh and matters of questions of fiqh, which are possible, can be this way or that way, then that may be allowable. مَعَنَّ الْوَاجِبِ اتِّبَاءُ dalil. Even though what is still obligatory is following the evidence. I mean, even in the matters of fiqh, we don't take it in restricted and say, yeah, fiqh, we can differ, it doesn't matter. You know, aqidah, we can't differ. Fiqh, that's open door, it doesn't matter, we can differ. Ah, you know, we can differ about aqidah, we can differ about fiqh rather. That doesn't matter, he will say this, he says that. Sheikh said, no, it's not the case. The Sheikh said, there can be differences in matters of fiqh, matters which are muhtamala, which could be taken that in accordance with the evidence, it could be taken this way, it could be taken that way. That may be allowable. Even though, even there, what is obligatory is following the evidence. Even in matters of fiqh. He the Most High said, and Shaykh was the evidence for that. He the Most High said, فَإِنْتَنَازَعْتُمْ فِي شَيْءٍ فَرُدُّوهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَرَرَسُولُ Surah Al-Nisa, the fourth surah, ayah 59. With the explanation, so if you differ about anything, even if it's matters of fiqh, whatever it is, if you differ about anything, then refer it back to Allah and to the Messenger. So the Shaykh makes a, a point here, and this is something probably worth pointing out. Sometimes people say, you know, matters of, matters of aqidah, we've got to be the same. There can't be any difference. Matters of fiqh, we can differ, it doesn't matter. Unrestrictedly, they say it like that. Unrestricted, you know, matters of fiqh, we can differ. The Shaykh is pointing out something very important here, that we don't say that. Unrestrictedly, matters of fiqh, it doesn't matter. You say this, and he said that, and there's a hadith here, and the Shaykh said that. We take what you like. Shaykh said, no. What's obligatory still, even there, is following the proof. If, for example, there's a difference, a Shaykh says something with his evidence. Shaykh A says something with a hadith. Shaykh B says something with the evidence, and he's got a hadith. You, you take A, and I take B. Both sides have got hadith, no problem. There's what the Shaykh said, no problem there. You've got an evidence, there's got an evidence. The Shaykh understands that hadith this way, the other Shaykh understands the hadith that way. No problem. No. The problem comes, what happens, pro the problem comes, when Sheikh A has got the hadith, and you you, know, you follow, Sheikh B, Sheikh B said that he might have an evidence, but you don't know it. All you know is Sheikh B said something different. What's his evidence? Sheikh A has got the hadith. I'll tell you the hadith. He said, no, no, I'm not following that. I'm following what Sheikh B is saying here. What's his evidence? Don't know. Why aren't you following the hadith of your messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa that you know to be authentic? Because I'm following Sheikh B here. What's his evidence? I don't know. This is a blameworthy taqlid that if you have this attribute in you, you need to check it and correct yourself. You've got a major problem here that you need to correct. Hadith on this side and you're not following it. In favor of what? What a man said? Somebody besides the messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. If, if you find yourself with a symptom, you need to check your salafi here. Are you really a salafi? Are you really following the book and the sunnah? What sunnah? The sunnah is there with Sheikh A. Sheikh, Sheikh B, you don't know his evidence. Maybe I have one, but you don't know it. You're not following the hadith, you're following this one. You need to check yourself here, and you need to check the second part of your shahada. Muhammadun Rasulullah. This is where we need to go back to basics. Is it that we, we, we learn the details and we forget the basics? Muhammad is the Messenger of Allah. 
We don't take anyone's saying over the saying of Allah's Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. What happens here? So just the point here that sometimes we need to check our basics again. So if you find this happening, then check your basics. As Ibn al-Qayyim mentions in Ilam al-Muwaqqi'een, the famous saying of Imam al-Shafi'i, that the people are agreed that a person to whom the sunnah of Allah's Messenger وسلم, becomes clear, then it is not permissible for him to follow the saying of anyone else besides, besides him. Scholars agreed upon that. So sometimes we need to check out some. So the point, back to what the Shaykh of Fawzan said, he said, of Aqeedah, we cannot differ, no way. of Fiqh, and the Shaykh said, those which are muhtamah, the evidence could be this way or that way, then it may be allowable to differ. Even though what is obligatory is following the evidence, the dalil, even in the matters of fiqh, still we've got to follow the evidence. He the Most High said, فَإِنْتَنَازَأْتُمْ فِي شَيْءٍ فَرُدُّوهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَرَسُولُ explanation, so if you differ about anything, then refer it back to Allah and to His Messenger. However, differing in a matter of fiqh, which could possibly be correct, have an, have an aspect, will not bring about division between the Muslims. Incorrect differing. This Shaykh understands the hadith that way. This Shaykh on the other side he understands the hadith a different way. Then that will, should not bring about any difference between the Muslims, whichever side you talk. Shaykh is a good example of that. He says, And therefore, the Ahlul Sunnah, the people of the Sunnah, contain within them the Hanafi. And they contain within, the, within them the Maliki. And they contain within them the Shafi'i. And they contain within them the Hanbali. I mean, the people of the Sunnah, you'll find some of them are Hanafi. Some of them are Shafi'i. Some of them are Maliki. Some of them are Hanbali. Obviously, from examples of that, we can. The Hanafis, from famous scholars of the Sunnah who are Hanafi, for example, at Tahawi, Muhammad Tahawi, the explainer of his book, Ibn Abdul Is, they were Hanafis, but they were from the Sunnah. Likewise, amongst the Malikis, Ibn Abi Zayd al Qirawani, Ibn Abdul Barr, they were Malikis, but they were people of the Sunnah. Got aqeedah upon correct belief. Amongst the Shafi'is, Ad-Darimi, Al-Laliqa'i, they were Shafi'is in fiqh. In aqeedah, they were from the Sunnah. And likewise, the Hanbalis, as the Shaykh mentioned, there are many, of course. Al-Barbahari himself, Ibn Qudama, Ibn Rajab, many of them. So the Shaykh said that's why he's saying that people of the Sunnah, you'll find within them people who are differing in fiqh. Hanafis, Malikis, Shafi'is, and Hanbalis. And they did not differ. They didn't disagree and be opposite to each other and all praises for Allah. And they did not separate. And the fact that he, t he had some views in fiqh and he had some different views in fiqh, he didn't separate them. Because these were matters of ijtihad, personal deduction, in matters of fiqh, which had aspects of correctness and all had angles of possibly being correct from the evidences. But as for aqeedah, then their aqeedah was one. The Hanbalis and the Shafi'is and the Malikis and the Hanafis. Their aqeedah was one. Then the Shaykh makes an important point here because obviously these days we find many people, instead of the person coming out and being open to you with his face and saying, I'm a Sufi. I'm a Sufi, I'm a Shadili, I'm a this. They won't say that to you. They won't come and say, my, you know, I'm, my call, I'm calling you to Sufism. They'll say, I'm a they'll use this thing here. They'll say, I'm a Shafi'i. I'm upon the, the way of Imam Shafi'i. I'm following the books and the tradition of Imam Shafi'i. So listen to what I've got to say. And then they teach you Sufism. Or I'm a Maliki. They won't say I'm, I'm, a, just, I'm a Sufi. I'll call you to Sufism. No, they say I'm a Maliki. So they're trying to use this point here. And they pretend that they're following the Imams of, you know, the great Imams of the Sunnah. The Sheikh, so the Sheikh points this point out. He says, even though amongst their followers, I mean the Imma of the Hanafis and the Malikis and the Shafis and the Hanbalis, they're people of the Sunnah. The Imams were people of the Sunnah. He said, however, amongst their later followers, there were those who contradicted them in the Aqeedah. I mean, later on people came and said, I'm a Hanafi, I'm a Maliki, I'm a Shafi, I'm a Hanbali, where they are not true followers of their Imams, not upon correct belief. There came amongst their later followers those who contradicted them in Aqeedah. This is found amongst the Hanbalis, and it's found amongst the Hanafis, and it's found amongst the Shafi'is, and it's found amongst the Malikis, there is to be found amongst them those who contradict the Imams 
in their aqidah. In, in fiqh, this person in fiqh, he claims, um, look, my fiqh is the same as the fiqh of Abu Hanifa. If you check his aqidah, his aqidah is totally different to the aqidah of Abu Hanifa, and so on and so forth. The Shaykh said, so they are only ascribed to them in fiqh alone. But as for aqidah, then he contradicts them in it. So those people cannot be truly counted as being followers of the Imams. Even if the person claims and shouts out, I'm a Hanafi, I'm a Hanafi, it doesn't matter. He's not a true follower of the, of the Imam. Because they only follow them in one thing, but they contradict them in something which is more important, in Aqidah. What you follow the Imam in Fiqh, he must have Fiqh. In Aqidah you differ with him, what he believed you don't believe. You hold different belief to him. How can you be his follower? Sheikh said, so they are not counted as being from the followers of the Imams when they contradict them in Aqidah. This is what led, the Sheikh said, this is what led the scholars such as Al-Barbahari and others to detail the correct way taken from the Book of Allah and the Sunnah of His Messenger and the way of the Salaf in order that the Muslims could proceed upon it. And this is Nasiha. We don't say this is splitting, writing these books, studying these books and teaching these books. We don't, say, we don't agree to that. This is splitting the Muslims. Rather, this is sincerity, nasiha, for Allah and for his messenger and for his book and for the rulers of the Muslims and for their general folk. But as for if the matter were kept hidden, I mean, what, if what they wanted, if we kept, keep, keep quiet about it, close the books, don't study Aqidah, if that happened, if this matter were kept hidden and not made clear and these books were not written then many people would go astray so these works were therefore and all praises for Allah a favor from Allah these works are a favor from Allah the mighty majestic and a proof from him a proof from Allah upon his creation لِيَهْلِكَ مَنْ هَلَكَ Surah Al-Anfal, the 8th Surah, Ayah 42. With the explanation, so that whoever goes to destruction, whoever dies or goes to destruction, or whoever disbelieves in some explanations, can go to destruction upon clear proof, having clear proof. And whoever lives can live upon clear evidence. Walhamdulillah wa sallallahu ala Muhammad. And what follows is the main text of the book, the explanation of Shaykh al-Bawzan. Alhamdulillah wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam.